We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when your partner still has their ex's ring, (laughs) helping your mom date, And not wanting to have children. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners. Although, according to some letters that we get, we are recommended by people's therapists, which is super exciting. (laughs) If I was dating, I would put that in a bio, like recommended by local therapists. (laughs) It's the most cocky thing I've ever said. I would literally never say that, but... Um, yes, Sam and I are not professionals. We know nothing like Jon Snow. So please take our advice as you see fit. You like that reference from like five years ago? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm listening to the audiobooks right now. So it's very topical for please me. Please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings so please shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right. Uh, check-in topic inspired by a letter, right? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So this letter came from Confused Queen from Baltimore, Maryland, which is right next to Washington, D.C., which is where I just was. <laughs> wow. Geography. <laughs> I know. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I love you guys. This is more of a question than a letter. Why do exes keep tabs on social media? I have not one, but now two ex-boyfriends who do not follow me on social media, but still watch my Instagram stories. (laughs) Why? (sighs) Honestly, I would get back with either of them. Ah! Important context. (laughs) They're not bad people. And there was no major fallout. It's just like timing wasn't on our side or they just weren't emotionally available. I don't think that they deserve the block, 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 but it does mess with my head. So maybe I should. It's just confusing. Should I reach out? I could definitely poke fun and say something along along the lines of, hey, if you're going to watch my stories, you might as well follow me. Or should I let them come to me? Honestly, any opinions, thoughts, two cents would be greatly appreciated. What does it mean? Nothing? And what can I do about it? Also nothing? (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> All right, Confused Queen. Thank you for the, this week's check-in topic. So generalizing the question, what do we do with exes on social media? If the, Creep in on the stories. How about that? Mm-hmm. Specifically, because mm-hmm. we've talked about like the black box black technique. We've ta- you know, we've talked about exes and social medias and how you don't have to follow them anymore if you don't want. That it's not the stab yeah. to the heart that we think it is societally. No, but it does like it takes such a level of intention. Oh my god! To find the stories of somebody who you're not following, which is just so weird to I'm me. De- I'm deeply ashamed <laughs> to say that I've totally done this. And there's no better word. To Explain de- it, Sierra. <laughs> there's no better word to describe it than lurking. Like literally imagine somebody in the shadows, in the bushes, like crawling in- back into your life, but on the thresholds of your life. It's lurking. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, for sure. I just follow <laughs> many of my exes on Instagram. I have no shame about it. I'm like, yeah, if you don't want me to see this, then like you can block me. Yeah. <laughs> but like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch your story and not follow you. Like that's just Well, you know what? Else. Also, like I don't mean this in like a oh my god, look at me, but like I have lots of Instagram followers. And so like mm-hmm. I always assume that nobody's gonna be able to tell if I look at their Instagram story and not follow me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. Or I don't other look who look. I don't. I don't, I don't at, either. Looks at my Instagram stories. So this so is not I a read would... to you, <laughs> confused queen. But like, no. Maybe if I was hung up on two of my exes, I would do that too. But <laughs> 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 um, not hung up, just like emotionally available to them. <laughs> yes, ready um, to get back with them at any moment. <laughs> but the reason why I describe it as lurking is because to answer your direct question, confused queen, I think it should be treated as such. If they wanted to get back with you, they would. Or if they wanted to engage contact with you, I think that they would. Mo- mo- you know, they would at least do a little follow. However, I think yeah, that you would think the frustrating thing about this situation is kind of like the coy, funny, haha message that Confused Queen talked about sending is that like we all want to know like what the fuck you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> like like do you want to just follow me do you want to get a coffee do you want to like get back together and have babies like who knows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just it, yeah it, and i mean it sends conflicting messages but also if you zoom out like does it send conflicting messages because <laughs> he's he's just lurking it's just a lurk yeah for sure and the only way that you're gonna know what his intentions are is to ask him so like i'm on board with you being like hey dude what are you like if you're going to like, you could be cutesy about it. Like the message that you wrote, I think is very cute. Like go for it. Or if you're, if this is like really causing you a lot of anxiety about why this is happening, like the only way that you can get someone to stop looking at your stories is to block them. <laughs> and so, like, right. and it's not, if you don't want that, like if you don't want them in your head space to be thinking about them, then like you can block them and it's yeah. not weird. It's, it's not, like, it's, it's mental spring cleaning. Oh, absolutely. Love that. Um, or you can also reach out and be like, Hey, how's it going? What's going on with you? And then see if they want to do something. Right. But like the only, the only way you're going to get out of the situation is not by like, suddenly this man will come to you and be like, Hey, here's the reason why I've been follow or I've been watching your Instagram stories and not following you right? with like a detailed list of like motivations <laughs> and things he reasons. misses about you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, you only have control over what you can control, which is either, like, stopping this action from happening by blocking 
or by like hitting this person up and being like, and you know, if you're ready to date one of them, then like shoot your shot, girl, yeah. like <laughs> go for it. <laughs> like I have to if just you're say, still holding out for them, like you can ask them to hang out again. <laughs> right. For the sake of science, I will mm-hmm. explain why I have lurked in the past. Perfect. <laughs> um, professional research <laughs> by two unprofessionals. Because I wanted to compare myself to every Everyone. one of the people they're dating. Well, okay. So this is how it most often goes down. And I have to admit that I have way less boundaries than Sam does. Um, but like, I, it what when it will most likely go down is like, if I'm, if I am accidentally reminiscing, I mean, like something randomly reminds me of somebody or like I'm feeling particularly nostalgic and my thoughts just take me to the past or whatever. Like they naturally do. Right. And then mm-hmm. I think, oh, my God, I have this tiny computer in my fucking pocket that can give me access to the questions that are burning in my head. Imagine what people did before the Internet, before social media. They literally just thought about their exes. <laughs> Uh-huh. What a novel concept, you know. But instead, yeah, right? And then they weren't immediately gratified in their anxiety about their right. exes by looking them up on places and like seeing what they're doing and then feeding yes. all of these additional adding conspiracy that, theories. Adding to that, yeah. I will never open somebody's Instagram page, see that there is stories and not click that fucking stories because I am a millennial addict, you know? <laughs> like I have been trained by Instagram to fucking click mm-hmm. that fucking button. And I'm not yeah. saying it's a good thing. I'm just telling you that like, maybe they like, maybe it's like a Pavlovian ding sort of thing when they see, when they go to your page to creep or lurk, I should say, and then mm-hmm. they see the stories, they're going to watch those fucking stories. Or what the fuck do I know? Literally nothing. Because like, maybe... Maybe they have the hots for you. Maybe you're like the fucking hottest, coolest, biggest mistake they ever made. So in that case, you know, they're lost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. Hit them up. <laughs> um, yeah. That's all I have to say about lurking. Legit. Even if I watch somebody's stories, I rarely want to converse with them in real life. That's my. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's it is my fucked up relationship to social media that gives me access to those people or our collective thing so yeah that's that's kind of where i would it's leave literally it. designed to do that to you yeah so <laughs> totally all right so you want to get into some letters let's do it okay so that that check-in topic was from confused queen and this letter is from confused man who's writing to us from a rock and a hard place Hi, Sam and Sierra. I'm writing to you after the girl I'm dating emotionally broke down and started crying on my arms. So emotions are high and I am thoroughly lost on how to understand the mind of a chronic overthinker. Here is the very long ass detailed situation. I'm a 24 year old and she, let's call her Mary, is 22 years old. We met at work in December and immediately clicked. Problem was I was a week out of a three year relationship and she was two months shy of celebrating four years with her long distance boyfriend. After two long months and two weeks of no contact between us, she broke up with her boyfriend which I then found out was actually her fiance, although she explained she only said yes out of pressure of the situation and not because she wanted to marry him. We went on our first date uh, a month after that, and since then, things have been amazing between us. We click extremely well, and I see a really amazing future with this girl. 
But like most of the letters you probably get, there is a problem in the perfect little picture in my head. We have been talking slash dating for seven months now, but she's still not, not my girlfriend because of reasons from both of our sides. Her reasoning is because I have not met her parents, which would normally be an easy fix, except that her mother is very closed off and she doesn't think her mom is going to react well to her dating someone new. To sprinkle salt in that wound, when her parents went to Mexico this last time, they took Mary's ex out for the day, despite them knowing that they were broken up, gave him money, and their reasoning was because of their friendship with him. My reason for not wanting things to be official was because she hasn't given the engagement ring back yet, and it doesn't sit right with me having a girlfriend that still has her ex's ring. She says she wants to give it back in person, which I can respect and understand. My thing is, this will be the second time her parents are going to Mexico, and she still doesn't want to go and give the ring back. Anytime I ask her for the reasons, she snaps at me and says she just doesn't want to go. Sometimes she'll give reasons like not wanting to deal with the questions from family members, not wanting to deal with the small town gossip that Mexican pueblos have, and not wanting to interact with her ex who still hasn't taken her off his social media and has made it clear to her dad that he is not ready to let her go. Am I a dick for being pushy about giving the ring back and about meeting her parents? She had a breakdown today because of how overwhelmed she feels about me meeting her mom and about going back to Mexico for the first time in almost a year. She constantly overthinks about how every situation could play out and how she will feel and react, and then she fires into overwhelming emotion. Should I just lay off both of these things until she's ready? How do I cope with the feeling that our relationship isn't progressing as long as these two things don't happen? Why am I so fixated on Mary being my actual girlfriend, despite knowing she loves me and wants a future with me, and that, quote, girlfriend is an arbitrary label? Thank you both so much for reading this and everyone else's letters and giving us your emotional labor to make our lives a little bit, uh, make a little bit more sense. You are my relationship angels that I recommend to everyone I know. Oh my gosh, I love that. It's so cute. We love you too, confused man. And thank you so much for writing. So... There, I feel like this is like a secretly complicated letter (laughs) (laughs) or maybe not so secretly, depending on how our listeners are feeling. Um, I feel like there's a lot going on here. It's like, so Mary's an overthinker and she's just feeling anxious about everything. She's also obviously very close with her family and feels like overwhelmed and ashamed of moving on, I guess, or letting go of that last relationship and also wants her partnership to be uh, a part of her family life, you know? Um, And then here we have confused man um, feeling really insecure about this past relationship. Um, And maybe insecure isn't the word you would use confused man, but like there's insecurity in it, right? That like you're, that the ex still has her on his social media, that he, hasn't let her go yet, and that Mary still has this ring, which is obviously symbolic to you of something. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Sam, you want to start? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that you are... Yeah, I mean, the two issues here is that, like, you're not wanting to be in a relationship, or you sort of are not ready to commit to you know, being exclusively together as boyfriend, girlfriend yet because of the parent thing and because of the ring thing. 
And I think, again, like Sierra said, that these are two symbolic conflicts that are happening. Right. Yeah. So I don't think you're actually fighting about the ring and about meeting the mother. Right. I think that there's probably something else that is that is at play here. And I just will call out the fact that, like, you just got out of a three year relationship. She just got out of a four year relationship that was even if she said it didn't matter that much, was an engagement, right? Um, And so my guess is is that there's like probably more at play here about the fact that you are both sort of newly out of these really important relationships and trying to figure out what it means to recommit to someone um, after getting together only a month after both of these long relationships ended. Uh, And so... I think it's probably more about some of your insecurities about um, what it means to move on. And also just like letting go is really difficult, right? It's not just easily said and done. It's not just like, oh, after a month, I no longer think about this person that I was with for four years. Um, And so there, I think that there's probably a lot more anxiety about the emotional reality that it takes to both process an old relationship and form a new one at the same time. And if you're, you know, if Mary isn't overthinking, it makes a lot of sense to me that she might be feeling like I can't do all of this emotional work at once. Right. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I can't or both at least not mourn cleanly. this relationship. Right. And, and commit to this new one because there's just a lot of emotions going on, especially if her family knows this ex and still has them in their life and like i i guess it would just be it would for me i would encourage you to not think about this as she's not letting me meet her mom and as something that is much bigger than that that is much more complicated and nuanced that might be harder to talk about that's Mm. coming out as her saying like well you haven't met my mom yet and that's the reason right and not to like I don't want to make her paint her as a bad person because like it's okay for us to be processing old relationships while in new ones. Right. And it's also okay for you to say like, I need more clarity about where this relationship is going. Yes, totally. And I I took it as like, you know, just like Sam said right there, we all process old relationships in new ones, you know? So Mm. I, I can see her dealing with a lot, but I also want to point out confused man that like, I see her being with you and like talking about your future together, spending time with you. And I, and I point that out. She's choosing you. Right. Mm -hmm. And to the best of her ability right now. Um, And I also want to point out that like, um, we can't erase our partner's past. We can't, you know, we don't get clean slate partners unless we are literally dating people who have never dated anyone else and never had any emotional tang- entanglements, you know, that mm-hmm. we can't erase people's past. That's what makes them who they are. The question is, can you live with the past? Can you accept the past? And I bring that mm-hmm. up because we can't take away the fact that she dated this guy for four years and said yes to an engagement for whatever reason. What if she mm-hmm. said yes because she loved him and she thought it was the right decision? That was her mm-hmm. authentic decision at the time. It's obviously not her authentic decision now. Um, and so we have to accept that. You know, I, I point that out because, like, I feel like we, in your letter, you make it okay that she was engaged because she didn't really love him. But it's like, well, what if she did? Or, like, what if she right. did want to marry him and then straight up changed her mind? Like, that 
that is something that you need to accept as a partner of anybody in the future is that they're going to have pasts. Um, the question is, can we accept it? And here's the thing. We get a lot of letters about people that are like, I don't like this about my ex in the past, X, Y, and Z. Well, that is our prerogatives. That's that's where compatibility comes into play. Can you accept mm. their past? Are you at peace with their past? Because you are their now present and future, right? And I want to talk about like, what does this ring symbolize to you? Because sh- at least shedding some understanding on your girlfriend's, er, don't use that word yet, uh, <laughs> on your person's <laughs> situation like that. There's like, I fucking not, would not want to return that ring either. And I say that not as like an avoidant thing or because I wanted the ring just because it was probably painful and confusing and embarrassing. And like, I'm trying to move on with my life, but I still have this thing that symbolizes this other thing and it's Mm -hmm. stressful and overwhelming. And like, of course I could just mail it back, but that's callous and heartless. So I should do it in person, but I have to do it in person and I have to deal with the aftermath of doing it in person, which is like having to see this ex of four years who... That might be a very painful experience. Like I fucking wouldn't, wouldn't want to record, return it anyway, or either. Excuse me, I wouldn't want to return it either. <laughs> there we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that that's not the right answer, but it is the human answer, right? That this is way more complicated than just a piece of jewelry. I want to push on like why this tiny piece, this piece of jewelry, symbolizes to you why she can't be your girlfriend because uh that doesn't add up to me i understand what it means symbolically mm-hmm. i i i see what space that is taking up in your mind when you process this person but it makes me feel like you're looking more at the symbol and at the physical ring and what and what it symbolizes i mean than you are looking at the person and the actual partnership you guys have. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is true. Obviously, like I said at the very beginning of this letter, this is a this is a more complicated situation than it appears on the surface. But how would your girlfriend's actions be different if you said, I want to be with you. I want you to be my girlfriend. I will meet your parents when it's safe for you. I will help you return the ring when it feels safe for you or whatever i'm just wondering if like i don't know i i I guess the best way to put it is like i don't relate to what is holding you up about the ring Mm. and and that is like not a judgment on you that's literally just like this is my processing of it and that's your processing i'm not in your shoes i'm not in this relationship i might feel way more insecure well, yeah, I feel like if I like walked into Willow's house when we fart- started farted dating, started dating, <laughs> I would be like, uh, why the fuck is all this stuff here? You know, I would feel insecure about it, but I would want her to be mine. I would want her to be my girlfriend, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think as somebody who dated someone for a long time who like wasn't over their ex, I, I understand the right. symbolism of this ring really intensely. And the idea of like, this is the symbol of the fact that she was with this person for uh, four years. You know, we there was a month between that relationship and us starting dating. And so like she's simultaneously trying to process that old relationship and be in this new one and saying like the symbol of this 
is this ring. And if the ring goes away, then suddenly everything will be better. And that's not the reality, right? Like the ring is a symbol. It's not the actual thing. There's no, it's not imbued with any magic that's going to like alleviate her of having thoughts, feelings about that former relationship. Um, And I can also understand why, why you're like, this is the thing, just like get rid of it. I don't want it. And I don't want it in our space because it's a symbol of, of the fact that she still might have feelings for or emotions about her former relationship. Um, And I think that the thing to do is not to talk about the ring, but to talk about the feelings that the ring evokes in you. Right. So it's about like, I'm feeling insecure in our relationship because it feels like there's like a third person here, which is your ex. And I totally understand that it's going to take you time to get over him. But I'm feeling like it's getting in the way of me being able to commit fully Mm. to you. Right. Mm. Like talking about the feeling itself and not about the symbols of those feelings, which are the ring and meeting the parents. Right. Those are symbols of something that are actually going on here. So how can you get to the next level of conversation Um, And talk about and do the thing that's really scary, which is be super vulnerable about our own feelings about things and not about objects that are outside of our control. And instead, like, get into, like, what am I feeling about being in this really complicated situation? Like, I'm so happy that you two found your way to each other and at the same time recognize that it's still really complicated, that there's still stuff that's going to get in the way and get and, like, gum up the gears And the best way to get at that is to really try and work together to figure out what's gumming it up and actually like pull it out, right? Like bring it into the light, talk about it, figure out what you need to do to make things work better. And I think, I think you both sort of focusing on these symbols because it's easier. It's, it's honestly, we do this all the time. This isn't unique to you, right? Like this is like relationships writ large. It's not about who's taking out the trash. It's about who's contributing to the to the relationship, right? So Yeah. I love the way you broke it down. Yeah, this is advice for anyone in relationship. It's not about we some we argue about symbols and we need to be talking about what the symbols mean to us. That even helps me understand it because I I felt I was getting tripped up on this on the symbol. You know, I was mm-hmm. like you're not going to date this person cuz they have a rant. you know, like I was getting mm-hmm. caught up on it in the same way that this couple is getting caught up on these things. Um so thanks for that. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, confused man, lean into that vulnerability. Also like lean into the fact that you see a future with this person and say like, I'm Mm going to, I'm, I'm here for you. Like, are you here for me? Can you, can you meet me where my needs are at? Can you, can we, can we cross this bridge together? This getting rid of this ring symbolic bridge together. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, And I think making sure you're approaching this as a, as two people against a problem, right? And not Mm. viewing each other as the problem here. Like, it's not her fault that she's hung up on this ex or that she's still processing what this ex, this relationship now looks like. Like, it's not... So how can you help support her in doing that in a way that's going to benefit both of you? And I think, again, the ring and this meeting the parent thing are, like, really folk are really working to like pit you two against each other. Right. Like, here's what I want her to do and she's not doing it. Or here's what I want him to do and he's not doing it. Right. And instead being like, okay, well, here's the bigger problem, which is that understandably we're still processing what it means to be a human who's leaving a relationship. And 
What do we need to do together? Because I want to be with you. I want to support you. I want, like, at the end of the day, I want us to be married and, like, I want us to be in relationship with each other. Or at least right now, I want to be your boyfriend. So what do we need to do together to help support you to get to a point where that can happen? Oh, my God. That is so good. Right there. (laughs) Thank Um, you. (laughs) Good job. All right. uh, Confused man, we love you and we hope this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by some of our amazing patrons over on Patreon. Thank you to Madison Carrenti. Thank you to Jessica Zhang. Megan, thank you so much. Thank you to Marilyn Shu. Thank you to Angie Orellana. Thank you to Nicole McQuillan. Oh my God, Barbie, thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Olivia Jefferson. Thank you, Kyrie. And thank you to Sarah Magallanes. If you want to get your name shouted out on one of our episodes, you can support us on Patreon for as little as $10 a month. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. For just $5 a month, you can get access to an extra episode every week. Uh, And then you get that at the $10 level, too. Pretty sweet. Great. (laughs) Perfect. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karakal jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't, want, you can just cancel it with a tap. 
You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from a loving daughter who is writing from Milftown, USA. They write, Hello, I am a fairly new listener of your amazing podcast, and the more I listen, the more I learn about my own relationships, wants, and needs. Despite having many questions about my own sexuality and insecurities surrounding love, my question is not about me. It's about my mom, who is in her 60s. My mom is gorgeous, and I'm not just saying that because I'm her daughter and we look alike. All of my friends constantly comment on how beautiful she is, and quite a few of my straight male friends have told me that she looks like my sister, the respectful version of calling her a MILF, I guess. (laughs) She's also a beautiful person on the inside who loves to socialize, listen to music, be active, and work hard. My mom and dad separated when I was 12, and it's been a decade since then. My dad remarried fairly quickly, almost too quickly, but that's a story for another time. And my mom was adamant on not remarrying until my siblings and I went off to college. When I was younger, I admired her for this because it showed me that she was genuinely concerned about me and my siblings' well-being and wanted to be present for us because there were many times that my dad wasn't. But as I got older, I realized that all I wanted from my mom was for her to meet an awesome guy who shares her interests. She has had a few relationships and has been on many dates over the years. One of the relationships she had after my dad was pretty serious and they were together for a while, but it ended because the man she was seen had to move across the country to be with his child who was suffering from severe mental health issues. This happened five or so years ago. And since then, my mom hasn't been able to meet a man that she really likes and doesn't fizzle out with. I'm Mm -hmm. sad for her. My mom is a catch and it makes no sense to me as to why every eligible man on this planet isn't fighting for her attention. I'm writing to you now because last week I had some one-on-one time with her and she opened up to me about her fears of quote, dying alone and not finding love again. This broke my heart, to say the very least. My mom has used the more popular dating apps and some dating websites over the years, but has had very little success with them, even though she lives in a more populated area of the U.S. She tells me that she gets sad whenever she opens up the apps because it reminds her that she has to settle for a man who doesn't meet her standards. Mm. She also told me that she feels as though something is wrong with her because she's single. The help that I'm seeking from both of you concerns this. How can I get my mom to feel more optimistic and sure of herself? Also, are there things that my mom can be doing to make her social and dating life more fulfilling? I just want her to feel hopeful about love again. She is fulfilled with work, friends, family, and hobbies, but -hmm. I know how badly she wants to find a great man. Thank you both so much for reading and best wishes. Oh, thank you so much for writing a loving daughter. Um, I... Don't know if we've ever answered a question like this, but I know 
we've gotten letters similar to this. Um, mm. And um, as a child of a divorce, I think I, I relate to it a little about worrying about my parents' happiness and having that be a shift on my on my inner monologue or like the, the things that I'm carrying. Um, and yeah, this is so hard. I think at the core mm-hmm. of this, at the core of this are like two things that are very universal to me. One, like how hard it is to witness someone we love suffering, you know? Mm-hmm. And another thing, another core like universal thing is this fear of of being alone, this fear of quote dying alone that we have, that we have rightfully inherited through society and just like life, you know, I think some, one of the most painful things to me, even though I ideologically disagree with it is picturing my dad alone, you know, like Mm -hmm. even though I know his life is so full and that he has so much in his life that takes the place of a partnership, um, it still is like hard, you know, you, you don't want, there's nothing makes me sadder than like old men feeling regret. <laughs> that is like my, <laughs> that is my niche. You want to make me fucking cry? Put an old regretful man in a movie. Done. Crying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so like this touches on a certain soft spot in me, even though, like uh-huh. I said, and we'll get into this more, the idea that. The, our cultural understanding of aloneness. I, I like kind of, I want to push back on that later in this answer, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm. But first, maybe let's talk about like how hard it is to witness someone we love like hurt, hurting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the central part of your letter here is that like you have this mom who's who opened up to you and confided in you that she's having a, a hard time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's important for us in those types of moments to remember how thankful we can be for the fact that, like, your mom trusted you with this information, right? Like, there's, I feel like there's something so profound about the shift of a relationship between, like, a parent and a child when yes. the parent can feel like the child is like a whole person enough now to be able to like share some of the things that they've been going through. Wow. And it sounds like your mom was a great mom. And it sounds like your mom made a lot of decisions intentionally to focus on supporting you and your siblings over some of the things that she might have wanted to do if she were on her own or didn't have kids. Um, and I think that that's really beautiful. And I love that you are you are really looking at this and saying, I want to support her too, right? Like I see the sacrifices that she made. I see the love and support that she gave me and I want to reflect that back. Um, And like, that's beautiful. That's so wonderful. Like there are so many people in this world who don't have that relationship with their parents. You don't get the opportunity to do that, Mm. which is not to like make you feel like this problem isn't a real problem because it definitely still is. And also at the same time, it's a problem that comes with, with positivity, right? It comes with some things that are like, that are profoundly good in this world. And I think sometimes it helps us in these types of moments to remember that like, yes, there is sadness. And yes, there is um, seeing someone we love go through something that's really painful is hard. It's so hard. And 
how wonderful is it that we have this ability to connect with humans, right? And to feel empathy for them and to sort of like want to support them and love them and to be able to have a relationship with your parents where you feel like I love this person so much that I would do all of these different things for them. So sometimes when I'm I'm talking to people or when I'm talking to loved ones who are going through something, I have to remind myself of that to be like, even though this is really hard, it's a good thing because vulnerability is a good thing. Vulnerability is what makes us feel connected and able to support each other in mm, different ways. Wow. That's beautiful. And, and so at the same you... time, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you covered that. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, do you think um, a loving daughter, how, how can a loving daughter help her mother? I think it's important for us to remember when our loved ones are going through a hard time that it's not our job to fix the problem, right? Like it's not on us to take it on for them. And often, at least in my experience, trying to fix the problem doesn't actually work really well. Like it doesn't actually get at what the person is trying to do, which is just have be seen. You know, Sierra talks about this all the time. Like so often all we really want is to be seen and heard in the fullness of who we are. And I think it's important for us to remember that too, right? I don't know necessarily that your mom was saying, help me figure out how to be on dating apps. I think that what your mom was saying was, I want you to see and hear and Mm. feel what I'm going through, which Mm, is that dating apps, yeah, dating apps as a person of a certain age are really difficult. I, you know, spent a lot of the last 10 years by myself and that's really hard I know that I'm fulfilled in so many ways, but I'm also afraid of the fact that I'm going to wind up, you know, without a committed partner for the rest of my life. And instead of saying, oh, cool, let me fix that. Instead saying, I really hear that. And I am so appreciative that you shared that with me. And that must be mm. really hard, right? It, How many I can times totally have understand. we shared <laughs> our problems with someone and ultimately just meant, I want you to see me in this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how many times have we received someone's problems and thought, oh, my God, this is so hard for them. How can I, you know, it is a good human instinct to want to lighten people's load. Right. Right. But you know what lightens my load is you just saying that sounds really hard. You must be mm-hmm. going through a lot right now. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, absolutely. And not saying and I think. It's really challenging to talk with loved ones about stuff like this, where there's some like maybe negative self-talk happening, some lack of Mm, confidence to at the same time say, oh, I can totally understand why you're feeling that way, or it must be so hard to have that feeling and also not want to contribute to the negative self-talk, right? To like it, the instinct I think is always be like, no, you're a babe, mom, you're a total catch, right? Like all of my guy friends want to fuck you. Like they've told me about it, which is like. (laughs) weird we'll get to that later no we won't <laughs> i just think it's funny um and at the same time that's not actually helpful sometimes in those situations right like being like saying like i'm feeling really down on myself and having someone be like don't feel down on yourself here's all the reasons why you're great doesn't necessarily help sometimes so like how well, can you it's... say i hear you and i see you and i understand that's what you're going through and how you're feeling and at the same time I want you to know from my perspective that you are a catch and that you have so much to feel confident about. Right. I think it's a perfect example or a perfect place to execute the Sam Blackwell. And also two things can be true at the same time. (laughs) Uh You know, um, 
mom, there's nothing wrong with being single. And also I know why this is so painful. You know, I can, mm-hmm. I know it's hard to, to feel alone and, and rejected or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I know you're, you know, I can totally understand and, and empathize with your fear of being alone. It, that is a terrible feeling to feel. And also I'm here, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a perfect time to execute those things. And I echo Sam's sentiments of like, I think that this, this is, this is more than just like how to get my mom a boyfriend, you know, this mm-hmm. is like, yep. how do we, how do we act as true support systems and witnesses to people that we love and they're, and that they're hurting. And also how do we push against our cultural obsession with couplehood while yep. also acknowledging that, that our lives are, are intrinsically made easier being in pairs. Do you know what I mean? Like our tax system, Mm -hmm. our fucking government, you know, like owning a house, like, like there's a reason why cave people like traveled in, in groups, you know, like it, (laughs) that's about all you'll ever hear about me talking about like evolutionary ideas and relationships, because I think some of them are really archaic and problematic, but like, you know, I, I would be a fucking idiot if I said that life isn't easier with a partner or a support system directly in your life, right? I would be lying mm-hmm. to you and I'm not gonna do that. However, how do we how do we reckon with the idea that there is nothing wrong with being single and that our our cultural fear of dying alone is a very narrow scope? while also recognizing that we have been taught from day one that love is all that we need, that love completes us, that love makes our lives easier. And then in, in actual tangible ways, it does, you know, like mm-hmm. we are facing something that is totally impossible. <laughs> it's, a, it's an impossible thing, you know? So how, uh-huh. how do you, how do you answer your mom when she said, I'm afraid of dying alone? You know, that, how do we in one conversation or two or or a lifetime of conversation say there's nothing wrong with being single you're not going to die alone i'm going to be with you and mm-hmm. also i totally understand why you want this intimacy why mm-hmm. i am not enough why you feel like yep. you are not enough you know and and that yep. is the that is the thing thing sam and i will never be able to tell you all <laughs> like we I I don't know the answer of that, you know, Mm -mm. the best that Sam and I can do in this letter is just highlight how painful this is, like how, Mm -hmm. how complicated and nuanced this is, how you're being asked to solve an equation that is unsolvable, you know? Mm. Um, And that's hard. I mean, I, that's, that's part of, life and especially part of growing older, I think. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that the reality of also being in a situation where you do want to be with someone too, right? Like even if it's not just like society says I shouldn't be single, but also being like, well, I don't want to be single. (laughs) Yeah. I want, I I want a partner. Yeah. Yeah. I want that level of intimacy and you know, the way that, we've set up society is that like the intimacy comes from an intimate partner that you're married to um, is really challenging. 
Um, and I, I love the idea of, of being asked to solve an unsolvable equation. And so I want you to remember that too, um, a loving daughter, because I want you to remember that, again, it's not your job to solve the equation. It is not your job to figure out exactly the right piece to put into this puzzle to make it suddenly make sense or to make it suddenly beautiful. It is your job to just sit in the messiness with your mom at those moments uh, to the extent that you can, right? Remember, boundaries are always important, especially with parents. Uh, but hey. it's also like, right? And all you can do is love and support her, right? That's all you right. can do. That's literally the end of list is just loving and supporting her. You can't make men love her. You cannot make her the perfect dating profile that's going to find her the perfect man in a minute. I mean, like you could help her do it if she asks you for that too. But like there, there's no way that you can finagle this into somehow controlling it enough to make it work out perfectly. Mm. All we can do as people is agree to sit in the messiness with each other and commit to figuring it out as we go along. And that's sucks because I wish I wish I could take everyone's problems away. I would like... Ugh, I just like would love a world in which I could take everyone's problems onto me and then they wouldn't have to deal with anything anymore. Mm -hmm. Like that would be right. perfect, but that's not the world that we live in. And so right. what can you do to just sit in it, to sit down at that equation and look at it and be like, this is complicated and there's no answer. So like, let's have some coffee together. <laughs> like, yeah. Whatever well, I was it honestly, is. <laughs> I was just thinking like, you know, what you can do is like, um, hold that space. Uh, be that witness, see your mother for the full, um, complicated, uh, nuanced woman that she is. And, f mm -hmm. and also, um, experience joy with her, right? Also be hopeful, right? And I, I, this is, I'm, I don't want you to be, I'm not trying to spew the toxic positivity of like, you're going to find somebody someday, but like also recognizing like dating is hard all the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. dating is depressing all the time um let's go get lunch and talk about it let's you know like you can still be a good daughter and be unable to fix this for her you can still make her life richer and funnier mm -hmm. and um you know uh and 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 just be a witness to this mm -hmm. yeah absolutely all right, my darling, I know this is complicated and I know Sam and I gave you like literally no directives. <laughs> we just like <laughs> mused about how life sucks. Um, but we do truly hope that this helps you. It help, at, at least we hope it brings you some solace. And um, and I'm thinking about your mother and I know that she has a lot of happiness ahead of her. Mm, absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, our final letter comes to us from Questioning Biology, who is writing from upstate New York. Hi, Sierra and Sam. First off, I just want to say thank you so much for the work you are doing. You are making the world a better place, and discovering your podcast has allowed me to really tune into my own self-work and relationships. I'm a 23-year-old straight, cisgendered woman. My question is not a topic that is discussed freely and openly because there's such stigma around it, but I think it's really important to have these conversations because I'm sure there are many people out there like me, especially in my generation, and each of us d um, don't know that the other exists. To be straight and to the point, I don't want to have kids. 
It's taken a few different relationships and a whole lot of head and heart work to reach this conclusion, and there's still more to do. I have a myriad of reasons, environmental footprint, my own mental health struggles, issues with my hormones, not wanting the responsibility, etc. Most women without children in movies are portrayed as severe, uptight, career-minded women, and while I have a STEM degree and a good job, my career is just not the most important thing to me. And I don't feel like I'm giving up children for it. I just don't want them. I'm also extremely caring and nurturing. My friends used to call me the mom of our friend group, but I think it could be very different if I didn't have the choice of when and how to be nurturing. This has been an issue in past relationships for me as well. I had a two year long relationship with a guy I met in college. We'll call him Todd. (laughs) He he like the cat. (laughs) That was me. That was not the letter. Uh And we moved into the same city and lived together for a while before I moved back closer to my hometown. I've always kind of knew he wanted kids, but we never talked about it directly. After I moved away and had some clarity, I realized that I didn't want to commit to something like that. We had some long and deep conversations about our future, and we realized that his main goal in life was to have a family, and mine is not. I don't even know what my life goal is yet, but I know enough to say that children are not a part of it. So we broke up. A few months later, I started dating a guy I met online. We'll call him Michael. And on paper, we were perfect for each other until I asked him on our fourth date, casually, where he saw himself in five to 10 years. And the first thing he said was, I definitely want a family. I did it him for several more weeks until I finally gave, got up the nerve to sit him down and say, I don't want kids. So if you really do, and that's a deal breaker for you, we should probably end up and things here. My current partner is someone I've been good friends with for a decade. We got together after I moved back to my hometown and everything is going extremely well. He knew going in that I don't want kids, but recently I sat him down for a longer conversation about it in context of us because I never felt like he was taking me seriously. He says that he's not decided yet one way or another and would feel the same way if I was emphatically saying I did want to have kids. So it's not me making him question any of his firm desires. I was extremely anxious and sometimes physically sick because of how much I was worrying about it every single day. But having this talk with him and at at the suggestion of my therapist, even though we didn't make any final decisions, seems to have alleviated my daily thoughts and concerns. I feel like I can give more of myself to the relationship now that I've been totally open and honest with him about it since that has been our only hang up. We are moving in together at the end of the summer. As a woman, even in 2021, there is such a deep-rooted expectation to have a family, even more than that, Mm -hmm. to want to have a family. I've heard all the bingo phrases like, you'll change your mind when you're older, you or you just haven't met the right guy yet. Why should it take a man to change my mind? Question mark, question mark. (laughs) Or won't you be lonely (laughs) when you're older? Or you, and insert boyfriend's name here, would make such cute kids. My family and my boyfriend's family are both relatively religious, my family being more conservative than his, and I was never really taught that not being a parent was an option. I think the biggest problem with comments like these comes from society's expectations and norms, or potentially these people wanting others to validate their own choices by making the same choices for themselves. But Hmm. we can only control what we can control, so my questions for you are these. How do I live in peace with my decision? Even though I feel confident that this is the right decision for me, how do I live authentically when I still feel there, like there's something biologically wrong with me for not wanting children? How do I talk about this with people in my life whose opinions I value when they are so dismissive and patronizing of my decision when the to- topic comes up? 
how do I move forward with my relationship knowing that I never want kids or my partner is still, quote, undecided? I'm terrified that one day he will choose hypothetical children with some hypothetical woman over me and the relationship we've built or that he will become resentful because I can't give him what he wants. I feel such pressure to do something great with my lifetime money in order to, quote, make up for not having kids as if having unprotected sex and popping out another kid into our crazy world is some kind of golden, untouchable accomplishment. And speaking of which, how do I get past the idea that sex is primarily for creating new life? Thank you very much, Catholic upbringing. I know this is a lot, but any advice or discussion you could have about any of this, I would really appreciate. This is something I've struggled with for a long time, essentially coming out as child-free, and I would love to be able to feel good about my decision and live in this in it without shame. I want to normalize this decision and the conversations around it so that people who do have or want children understand that my choices are not an attack on their lifestyle, but rather me just trying to live authentic, authentically the same as them. Thank you in advance and sending lots of love to you both. XO questioning biology. Thank you so much for writing questioning biology. Absolutely. Um, so I am also somebody who's choosing not to have children. Um, and so I do know some of your pain. I feel like it's probably different for me because I'm a man in a relationship yeah. with another man. And so the implication is that a, we're not nurturing because we're both men and like, we don't want children because only women are born with maternal <laughs> instincts or whatever. Um, <laughs> And also just the recognition of the fact that, like, the biology does not support us just, like, right. having children without investing a lot of money into it. <laughs> so right. uh, I feel like I don't necessarily get some of the reactions that you're getting as a man in relationship with another man. Um, and at the same time, I do understand the compulsory nature of childbearing or, like, child rearing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? Like, people in my life since I was very young talked about how I'm going to be such a good dad when I grow up. Right. Like the idea of like, of course, why else, what else would a loving, caring, nurturing person want to do with their life besides have children? (laughs) Like, of course, or like just, you know, literally the, the template that my parents gave me around what life was supposed to look like, which was go to college, get a job, get married, buy a house, have children. Right. Like all of those things feels really compulsory. And it's not, right. right? In the same way that, you know, marrying someone and not dying alone isn't compulsory. Like, it can right. also be a very beautiful way to spend the rest of your life. Um, so I feel you. And I also understand that as a woman who's in a relationship with a man, I'm sure that those questions are much more pointed and are much more intense than, like, the feelings that I have around it. But right. there's nothing wrong with not wanting to have children. Like, let's just say that off the bat. Like, let's be explicit about it. There's nothing wrong with that choice. There's nothing selfish about that choice. It is just a choice that you are making in your life. And in some ways, it's a very informed choice, given the realities of our our world right now. Um, and so I feel I feel you. Like, you don't have right. anything to apologize for. You owe no one an explanation, even if they ask for one. And I'm sorry that people feel the need to comment on on literally your life, <laughs> like your private life and the things you do in the privacy of your own bedroom and in your own home. Um, and we'll say to everyone out there, 
don't say that type of shit, right? Like, you don't know what a person is going through, first of all. They might be desperately trying to have kids and can't have them. And so, like, you saying shit about how, like, they need to figure out how to do it is, like, mean. And also, like, mind your own business. Who cares what other people are doing with their bodies and with the the loved ones that they have? Right. I I actually uh, like that direction that you're going into because I feel like something that you're struggling with in here questioning biology is it feels like you don't, you know, you're well, one, let me just say I echo Sam's sentiments. And as a woman, I totally know your lived experience of the pressure to have children. And like the nonconformity to that is like very startling to people and Mm -hmm. can make them act in like a very may potentially unintentionally rude way. Like, it's none of people's business <laughs> or like, I don't know why it's yeah. like so shocking. Um, but thinking about this idea of like conformity and you, and you don't fit in the mold. I also want to add, like, even though there's this like predestined, you know, steps of life, you know, get married, buy a house, have kids, blah, 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 blah roll over mm-hmm. and die one day. Um, that is not the path. That is the stereotypical path, but that is just that is like in any in any society there's like the most seen common narrative right but as we've seen on this podcast there are a million different ways to be a human there are a million and two different ways to have a relationship and to have a life with somebody and so why i'm highlighting that is not just your authentic choice to not have children but like i don't you know, people's assumption that you're going to have kids isn't always even a necessary like dig on you. It's like people have kids for a whole bunch of different reasons. Some people do it because of pressures for sure. Some people do it because they want want to do it. Some people do it because they accidentally got pregnant. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. They're in the same way that you're, ex- you're, you're feeling like your experience doesn't fit in the gamut of things. Um, I, I want to paint a little bit messier of a picture of the choice to be, to have parents, excuse me, to have children or not to have children. It's not as complicated. Mm. It, it's, it's more complicated and should be more inclusive than just like, this is what women do. And this is, this is not what women do, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, and when reading this letter, um, Oh, so just finishing that thought first. Like, so what I take from that thought <laughs> is like, that no one else's, even if someone else's path looks like the stereotypical path to me, where I'm like, oh my God, they married their high school sweetheart, had babies, you know, and they live in their hometown. I can't assume that they did that because of some like cultural conditioning. I have to assume Mm -hmm. that they did it because that is their most authentic desire. And I feel like if we, and this is to you and to everybody, right? Like if we if we look at everyone's life choices and just assume with the best intentions that these are their authentic desires, then we ha- then we're contributing less and less to that stereotype, that pressure of well, we have to have kids. No, it's, we don't mm-hmm. have to have kids. People authentically choose to have children or they don't. Of course, there's social conditioning. Of course, I know that. I you know we are all victims of that. But I guess just sort of like to. F- free your mind of it it is the first step in like um finding peace in your own answer and not being defensive to people's questioning i guess i don't know i think i'm rambling at this point (laughs) 
No, absolutely. I think that that is super true. And I think that we need to not make assumptions about how people feel about the things that are happening in their life too, right? Yeah, I think that's, I I read something in here of like (laughs) a very justifiable defensiveness, right? Mm -hmm. Your life, especially, oh my God, with a conservative Catholic family, I can only imagine the pressures that you're feeling, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's real. And I think there's a lot of unlearning that you are going to have to do and that other people around you are going to have to do. And you can't control other people's unlearning. (laughs) Like that's part of the issue too. And I honestly, there's a lot in this that feels like there's parallels to it about like coming out about like, you even say in your letter, like I'm coming out as a child-free person. And like, to be clear to all of my queer babies out there, like I'm not making this equivalent, right? There are differences here, but there are similarities and experiences here where you have to unlearn things that you've been taught about what your life is going to look like. And you have to, you have to re you have to hold space for other people having reactions to your unlearning, right? Like when I came out as queer, I had to, I yeah, I had to, I had to reorient myself of like what my life was going to look like as a queer man. And I still have to deal with other people's stupid questions about me being queer, right? Like, and there's nothing I can do. It's become easier over time because I have wrote responses to things that people ask me, right? And you're going to have to learn some of those as well. But you're going through a profound moment of shifting what your perspective of your life is going to be and what people's expectations of your life are going to be. And there's no way that you you can snap and have it be like, people won't ask you those dumb questions anymore or your parents won't be disappointed anymore that they're not going to have grandbabies or whatever it is. But it does get easier over time because you get more used to the fact that other people are going to have reactions to what your life choices are. And it doesn't fucking matter, right? Like it it literally does not matter what they think about what you're doing. And that's hard though. That's like a harder thing to say than it is to actually act on because we are social people. We want people to see us and hear us and love us and approve of us. And it just, it gets easier to be like, oh, that person doesn't like the fact that I'm queer. Well, I don't care because I don't need that person's approval of me. I've got hundreds, thousands, millions of other people who support me for who I am and who love me in the way that I that I want to be loved and for who I who I actually am. I'm glad you brought up queerness because I honestly thought about being when I read this letter, I thought about being in a same sex partnership in a heteronormative world. And again, not the same thing, just a comparison that I thought of um, that like I am surrounded, I am married to a woman and I'm surrounded by heteronormativity. All the marriage fucking things, except for that one book you sent me were heteronormative, (laughs) you know, like, and it is when you are in that sort of minority, you will always come against the majority, right? You will always be reminded Mm -hmm. of the majority, right? But that doesn't mean you can't make a difference within your own sphere. And that doesn't mean that there aren't a, that there isn't a community for you. Right. Like, um, well, number one, like queer people hang out with straight people all the time, (laughs) you know, (laughs) people without a child, uh, people who are child free, hang out with people with children all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. and I guess I, I thought of that comparison because I thought about like, well, how do I, how do I deal with being in that, um, in the queer minority, right? And I think you 
you find your way, you find your way. And I think as Sam said before, is that like you will become more settled and more resolute and have more peace and clarity in who you are and what you do and do not owe other people. Does that mean it's going to, are you going to have to face those questions again and again? Maybe because we're pushing against the grain here, right? But Mm. also just because it is the path less taken, I want to say this, just because it's the path less taken doesn't mean that the path is alone. Just because we have seen this narrative play out for the mm. last bajillion years does not mean there have not other there there have not been other narratives playing out. Just considering queerness, right? Just because the common scope of our society has been heteronormativity doesn't mean there haven't been queer people from the beginning of time. There there's mm-hmm. there have always been queer people, right? There's always been people who have not wanted the path of parenthood, right? And whether they had Mm. the autonomous choice or right to pursue that path is another story, right? Because of birth control and weird societal things and, you know, whatever. We've honestly, obviously come a long way, but the path less taken is still taken. Um, So I don't know if that's like advice or like just like a general commentary that like, I know it feels very stark and uh, and isolating and like feels like you're going against the grain against tides of thousands and thousands of years of human conditioning. But within that tide are streams of people who are just like you. Yeah, I think that's absolutely real. And I think that that, that is the pursuit of liberation, right? That's right. like, that's, what we're working towards is that people get to make decisions about their bodies and about their lives um, and that they have access to the resources and opportunities to be able to do that in a way that doesn't invite judgment. Right. And, and so I'm saying to you that like, welcome to (laughs) like the work of liberation, which unfortunately gets placed on people who make decisions or who have lives or outside um, of the, yeah, outside of the white supremacist um, heteropatriarchy that we live in, and there's still there's still wonderful things here for you, right? Like this, you there are communities of people who will love and respect the choice that you're making, and who are going to be places where you'll find safety, where you'll find comfort and camaraderie with people who have made similar decisions, and it will get easier as time goes on to sit in the confidence of the fact that you're not making a wrong decision, that nobody needs to know your business. No one, you owe no one an explanation for why you're making this decision and that your life is no less valuable than theirs just because you don't have children in it. Yeah. And I think becoming more and more resolute in that response, which is like, you know, I've spent a good deal of time considering all that, having children would entail. And I just don't see the path of parenting as my path. Um, Mm -hmm. And then something else you can say to kind of like hush the worrying family members who are going to inevitably say things like, well, you'll change your mind in the future. Because like, I think that the less ignorant purpose of that statement is just to say, you're going to live a lot of life between now and the end of your life. You know what I mean? However, that doesn't mean it's not a fucking annoying statement and a presumptuous statement, but you know, to, to hush them, you can say, 
I know I can readdress this later, but right now this is how I feel. You know, like you can even acknowledge mm-hmm. the, you can say like, I know I could change my mind, but I like, you don't have anything to defend to them, you know? And, and that's the other thing is like learning how to say lovingly that my decisions about my identity are not up for a debate. And internally, they are not something that I need to prove to other people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You can. Yeah, <laughs> there are so many sassy responses that you can give them, but I'm liking Sierra's much more holistic ones. <laughs> <laughs> give me like one sassy one. Um, You could always just say, oh, I appreciate that you think that. Yeah, that I would be a good mom. Well, thanks. Mm hmm. Or no, that you think I'm going to change my mind. (laughs) Like, oh, that's cool that you think that. (laughs) I like that you think that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Cool. Like, it has nothing to do with me. Like, it's. I'm going to go buy a really nice house because I'm fiscally (laughs) more stable than everyone I know. (laughs) Right. It seems important that you think that. (laughs) It seems important to you that that's your reality. That is, that. I wish you guys could see Sam's face. Mm, it's like the equivalent of, mm, that's nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cute. Cute. I'm interested so why you felt you, you needed that. to say that to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or if people, if people are like, why do you want to have kids? And you can be like, well, why do you want to have kids? And when they tell you, you can just be like, I don't feel that. <laughs> I don't feel that at all. Like, that's not me. That's not my lived experience. Right. Anyway, I love that journey for you. Yeah. Not all journeys can be mine, though. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Questioning biology. I know that this is like weighing heavy on your heart. And, you know, we didn't even acknowledge like the pressures of child rearing within relationships, which I definitely think mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a whole other topic that maybe we could like check in about or something. Um, but all you can do is is what you did in. I mean, you executed it perfectly in these dates and these relationships putting it out on the table, being resolute and um, and strong in your sense of self and knowing that this is not something you want right now and probably ever, right? Like, it doesn't matter. I don't, let me just say this too. I don't care if you change your mind. <laughs> you're going to make Yeah, you can change your, your mind life, and that's totally fine too. <laughs> right. You're going to make choices for your life, the life that you want right now, now, period. Like that's, mm-hmm. That is the path that you're on. And that path is one in which you should tell people that you're dating, that you don't want kids. Your partner currently knows what he's in to. It is not your responsibility to prevent him from, from being hurt uh, by life. Right. But you have laid mm-hmm. everything on the table. Like looking back, if he, even if he, if he comes to you and says like, I want children, you can be like, well, I told you years ago that I didn't. And now we're at a crossroads and we're going to, I mean, that's, you've done everything right is all I'm trying to say in this weird little final segue. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Just be transparent and resolute in who you are. You have nothing to apologize for. I know that it's hard when you're going against the grain, but um, there are other people out there like you and uh, we can just take one step at a time towards that liberation. And at the same time, know that our liberation is not dependent on us convincing other people that our life lived experience is real. Yes, absolutely. All right, Questioning Biology, we love you so much. Thank you so much for writing. All right, this brings us to the blind date segment of our show. Every episode, we like to shout out something that we love. And this week, we are sending you home with... A show called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. (laughs) 
Yes, I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, <clears throat> so it's great. It's on AMC. Um, so currently you need to either have AMC or have a sign-in to AMC um, in but order to watch it. Two episodes? The first two episodes are on YouTube, so you can watch them on YouTube. Um, it's called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. It, the plot of it basically is that um, it exists in a universe where this where it's like basically like one of those really bad sitcoms um, where it plays like a, a really like hapless, like dopey, stupid, self-centered husband is like the main character, like a Kevin Hart. No, not Kevin Hart. Kevin James, like a Kevin James, like the King of Queens or something like that. Um, and so like part of it is like really brightly lit, like three cameras, like ha ha ha, like laugh track. Um, and then the second that the husband leaves the room, everything goes dark and becomes very realistic and you're left with the wife and all of the other characters. Um, and it's basically about sort of like the other side of those comedies where it's like, how is the wife experiencing this man who is so totally self-centered and like every fucks things up all the time and cares nothing about what her wants or desires are in the relationship. Um, and it's just like a, such a refreshing, like funny take on this. Like the sitcom part feels like like a legit sitcom like Peter and I as we watch it like we'll find ourselves like laughing at the sitcom parts of the show right uh and then like the the parts where the husband's like not in the room are just so gritty and like so sad to like watch this poor woman who's played by um Annie Murphy who was um in Schitt's Creek uh and she's amazing in it she's super like it's so fun to watch her do a more dramatic role because like it, she's just very talented yeah um, but it it is like it is one of the most like engaging things I've watched in a long time. Like the plot is super interesting. It's kind of dark. It's kind of gritty. Like none of the characters come across as like super likable. Um, but it's it's just such a such an interesting take on this model of like watching this sitcom with this like really hapless and like kind of awful person. Mm -hmm. And then like what are the ramifications of that when he's not in the room? Um so I would definitely recommend it. It's been so much fun to be able to watch Annie Murphy in a different role. Um, it's funny and also like kind of dark and gritty. Um, best of both worlds. And it's called Kevin Can Fuck Himself. It's on AMC. I, I literally, this is one of the rare times that I will subscribe to fucking AMC to watch this. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you should just wait until all the episodes out. I I think there's like, two more coming out still so okay so that i can just like bang it out yeah for sure, <laughs> sure. all right everyone thank you so much for listening <laughs> you can like us on facebook and you can follow us on twitter and instagram at just break up pod you can slide into our dms send us your favorite relationship memes but most importantly you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at just which is also where you can find our merchandise Please remember to hit that follow button so that you can get a new episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. Yeah, right. Or <laughs> and consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, if you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify under the name Big Cats. And remember, by letting go, you set yourself free.
you set yourself free from your past mistakes, from the pressure to conform, from the possibility of trying to be perfect. By letting go, you set yourself free to create the authentic life you want and deserve. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs> <laughs>